The Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise All right, you may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. So, what do uh, all these movie titles have in common? Star Trek, Charlie's Angels, Ghostbusters, Top Gun, James Bond, Sherlock Holmes. RoboCop, Starsky and Hutch, Terminator, Tomb Raider, The Mummy, Godzilla, and probably most notoriously, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, you think it's going to be like a real sermon, Fight Against Good and Evil? All right, we have an answer, right? I thought somebody was going to say... They've been remade over and over again. These franchises have been in the business either remade or rebooted, right? And uh, I thought somebody was going to say all these movies are just a couple steps away from Kevin Bacon. And that one, that one is probably true. They, what these movies do, they tell the same stories or similar stories with new actors and usually updated special effects. And these are very popular in Hollywood lately because movies are not always a, min, a winning proposition budget-wise. And studios perceive reboots as safe because there is a ready-to-go fan base. And if you don't believe me, about the time that the 25th Star Wars movie comes out, you will. Uh, a website called Den of Geek, because I always do the best uh, research before sermons, has recently shared that there are 121 reboots and remakes either being currently written and drafted or are in production. Some of them may be happy, some of them may be sad. Go to Den of Geek and check it out. Now, I don't know about all of you, but my reaction to remakes is usually mixed. While it's fun to see new stories with some of my favorite characters, there will inevitably be things that didn't need to be changed, that are changed, or beloved characters who just aren't done justice. Sometimes a lot of the magic of the original is missing. Maybe it's just me, but most people have learned not to ask me an opinion about a new Batman movie unless they want a 20-minute lecture. But most times a movie gets remade, I feel like the franchise usually loses something. No matter how close they try to keep to the original, you can't escape the fact that when you are watching a remake, you are watching a different movie. So maybe I 
have some sympathy today for these priests and Levites and heads of families who start weeping when the Israelites laid the foundation of the new temple. The first temple, for those of you keeping score and keeping track, had been destroyed when the Babylonian Empire sacked Jerusalem. And then the Babylonians captured the brightest and best of the Israelites to take them to Babylon so that they could work for the empire. Now, after the Persians defeated the Babylonian Empire, Cyrus, the king of the Persians, decided to allow the Israelites to go home, basically because he had no use for them. So in the middle of this triumphant moment, well, really probably because he knew that they would be grateful and they'd be a buffer to some of the other nations that were budding Persia, but I didn't become a history professor, so I won't. But in the middle of this triumphant moment, when ground is being broken on this new temple, everybody who was old enough to remember the first temple, everybody who saw the original movie, they start weeping. To be fair, we don't know why they're crying. They, wipe, they might be weeping for joy now that they returned home and are rebuilding. Or they might be weeping, remembering all the holy objects that they would have seen in the old temple but would be absent in the Holy of Holies in the new temple, right? The Ark of the Covenant's gone. The uh, bread of the presence is gone. The holy oil is gone. Everything that they would have remembered. Imagine coming back into church and everything's just bare, right? And most of all, there's no nair to mead or the eternal flame that used to burn at the porch of the, uh, of the uh, old temple. It's a lot different. The Babylonian Talmud even lamented that the Shekinah, or that cloudy glory that showed the presence of the Lord, was never there in the second temple. The magic was gone. All these that I mentioned were important characters. They were unforgettable scenes, and they were great plot points of the original movie. It kind of reminds me of that, uh, uh, that Heath Ledger Batman movie where I could tell that Gotham City was Chicago. Ruined it for me. They might have liked the first movie a little bit better. And as I watched the new movie with the altar that was so hastily assembled because they were surrounded by enemies and a wall was not built yet, just like today, maybe they could not escape the thought that what mattered to them most could not be rebuilt, and that the spirit of the old place could not be recaptured. These people had gone home to find that they could not go home again. As I think about this, I am reminded of the old joke. How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> yeah. That's one way to, that's one punchline, but my favorite is four. It takes one to change the bulb and three others to sit in the back of the room during and afterwards to talk about how much better the old bulb was. <laughs> but I think something was at work here other than just the stubborn difficulty of adjusting to change. When you love the first movie, it's hard to watch a different movie no matter how excited you are, and no matter how long you waited. And as much as we might want to celebrate during this Advent, we have to stop and be honest with ourselves and say that when God does a new thing, it is never easy to accept. 
and parts of us never accept it. Right? You go to a lot of churches and they are in love with this hallmark vision of Advent, which means that what you have to do during this time is just prepare your heart for Jesus or prepare your heart for the season. Right, And what this is, it's just like a soothing tonic for our anxious spirits. It's a way of trying to say that, oh, you've seen this movie before and you know it's going to be great. It's much harder to admit that there's nothing we can do to prepare, that we don't know what's coming, that we don't know how things are going to go. We don't know if Christmas dinner is going to erupt into a big fight about politics that we rather wouldn't have, or if Amazon Prime is going to get the gifts that we need to give out in time, or if we're not going to shiv somebody in line at the post office. We don't know how Christmas is going to go, and we don't know if the reboot is going to be any good. And no matter how much we try to get ready for what God is able to do, the God who makes all things new terrifies us because some of us have comfort and privilege that we cling to with the old. But here's the fact. If you think that these people, these priests and political leaders had it tough when a building got remade, Just imagine how these same kinds of people felt 500 years later when God set out to remake the most popular movie of all, a movie called King David. And man, forget about your Star Wars. This movie was so popular. People wrote all sorts of fan fiction about their hopes for this reboot. You can read it not only in the prophets that we hear sometimes during Advent and that we hear in our scripture, but if you look at uh, what's called intertestamental literature, it's full of these like wacky visions. I think it's just all fan, vis- uh, fan fiction about when the Messiah comes back, this is what's going to happen. Uh, they thought it was going to be an amazing epic in the style of Lord of the Rings with like big battles and lightning bolts from heaven. They thought that this evil empire, the Rome just like the Babylonians and the Assyrians and all of these other awful empires would be kicked out of the Holy Land finally. They dreamed about it, they sang about it, and they got their tickets early by adhering to that Torah as closely as they could. So imagine their frustration when instead of the movie that they longed to see, a movie they were promised called Return of the King David, Israel Strikes Back, came out, and it wasn't a big-budget blockbuster at all. It was this new movie called Jesus of Nazareth. And even worse, it was a dumb little indie film that started with a poor couple from a hickish backwater, unable to find a room to give birth in in the big city. And it got worse. Instead of an action hero, they got a wimpy guy who talked way too much and surrounded himself with blue-collar losers and helped people in their, like, everyday problems. And instead of the social and economic justice they pined for, are you listening, ELCA, they got this guy who whined and dined with tax collectors and other collaborators with the evil empire, and even worse, he forgave their sins. Could you imagine, like, Luke Skywalker in that scene with Darth Vader in Cloud City, and, and Luke Skywalker just shuts off the lightsaber and goes... Hey, Darth Vader, I forgive you, right? That's awful. That would be the dumbest movie ever. And not only in this movie was it dumb, 
But they put the fans in the movie, the biggest fans of the first movie, right? The Pharisees, the lawyers, the scribes. These were the fanboys that could tell you how many parsecs the Millennium Falcon made the Kessel run in. How many? Twelve. Okay. Come on. Let me. (laughs) Right? My Bible is better. Yeah. Yeah, you guys read the Bible too much? Right. Okay. Anyway. So... So these fanboys are in the movie, right? The ones who know all about the first movie. And the new character, the new David, spends so much time telling these biggest fans that they don't know a single thing about the first movie at all. And instead of winning, this new movie is about losing. And instead of the big apocalyptic battle with tons of extras, it was reduced to just the main character and two big sticks of wood. Right? I could not imagine a reboot that was just designed to infuriate the fans of the original movie more than Jesus of Nazareth. Most certainly, it is a different movie. And what's great about it is they keep repeating it. I got to watch it once. I helped a man in our inpatient unit who died, and I reached out to his family and said, I just want to let you know um, because he, I knew he was estranged from his family. I, um, I called them and I called his sister and I said, I just want to let you know, I did get to pray with your brother um, and, uh, and I was with him on his last day. And she was very, very thankful. And she said, well, the closest thing he had to family was this church that kind of fed him and, and took care of him while he was here and they're doing a funeral for him on Saturday. Could you please show up and, and share that story and uh, say some words, right? And uh, it was this uh, storefront church um, on Rancho, not too far from here. And, and of course, I go there, you know, thinking that I'm the big shot, I'm the, I'm the fanboy with the uh, master's degree. So I go in like I usually do with this like really well-crafted sermon about like how he was really just a good guy underneath and all his problems, like God saw past all his problems and just loved him and he was up in heaven singing and I thought I did a really good job. So I sat down and the pastor, she got up and uh, her first sentence was, you all know he was a sinner. You all know he lied to us. You all know he stole from us and went on like that. And I'm sitting there going, okay, a little bit of a different thing. And then she said, but here's the good news. He's covered in forgiveness and grace right now because grace is the one is for the ones who, who smoked it, who drank it, who lied about it, who slept with it. And she kept going on and on. And you know what? It was an amazing sermon. I didn't hear another thing that she said because I was in tears because this was a point in my life where I was not hearing that forgiveness and trying to do it on my own. And as that entire church full of people got up and started shouting and clapping and singing for joy at a funeral, no less, that's when I realized I've been playing a really bad, stupid movie. (laughs) And Jesus of Nazareth is a much, much better movie, (laughs) right? There's a big difference between the God who makes things better, which is the candy that the American church is trying to sell you, and the real God, the God that comes in Jesus to make all things new. And on this joy Sunday, I'm going to tell you, unless 
you unless you watch that different movie, unless you meet this God who makes all things new, unless you meet this God who forgives your sins and claims you forever, no matter what, you won't have joy. You won't have joy till you get the difference between the God who makes things better and the God who makes things new. And if you want to know where to see this movie, I hope you get to come here and watch it every week. A different movie. A movie where you're forgiven. A movie where the people that you're afraid of and the people that you complain about become your neighbors. A movie where you're loved so much that God suffers for you like you're the only person in the world. A movie where if you are forced to live on the street, there is somebody who cares about you and watches over you and sends people here who do care about you and want to and, and want to help you. Right? A movie where the pains of your abuse and silent suffering that you hide from everyone are seen and where you matter. A movie where recovery is not only possible, but you are given the grace to do it. A movie where people you've loved and lost are not gone at all, but remain in the arms of the star of the film at his decked out trailer, waiting to be reunited with you. A movie where the soundtrack turns from these worldly anxieties and moans and all this crap you hear on cable news into praises of God, which reach the highest heaven. A movie where you matter. A movie which is not something that you passively watch, but a movie that becomes part of your life and becomes for you peace, freedom, life, and joy. And if you watch this different movie enough, you'll learn this movie is way better than the original. And if, you'll, and if you keep watching it, you'll be just like me with a good Batman movie or cartoon. You'll tell everybody you know about it, and bother them endlessly until they see it. Right? How many people have I said, have you seen Joker yet too? Right? And brothers and sisters, this new movie is coming again to this theater and to theaters, homes, street corners, hospital rooms, and mangers, just like this one on December 25th. And no tickets are necessary. Amen. Him of the day is Savior of the Nations come.